Now, at the start of this series, I asked you to think of famous people that you might have encountered in, in your life. You know, you saw them somewhere, they said something to you, and, and what that meant to you. Well, this week, I want to ask you who the person is that you perhaps most admire. You know, in particular, a person who was or is faithfully serving the kingdom. Who's the one that you know, really stands out to you? You've read their books, you listen to their podcast, they're, perhaps they're in the Bible even. Uh, you know, who, who is that person, whether you've met them or not? Who is, who are, who is that great one, the, the hero for you of faith? And you might remember we did a series, who remembers this series from a, a year or so back called Heroes of the Faith? Do you remember that? That was good, wasn't it? And uh, we, co- we covered, I think Steve did, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, there was Gideon, there was Brother Andrew from Open Doors, um, Abraham and David and Esther and Mother Teresa the, were the ones that come to mind that we talked about in that particular sermon series. And, you know, I'm actually hoping that we can do this again soon because if you know Hebrews, you know that when we get to chapter 11, there's like a roll call, isn't there, of a whole bunch of God's faithful servants. And, uh, and so I, I don't know when that's going to be, you know, because as I was looking at the schedule coming up, you know, Christmas is not far away, by the way, and um, it kind of gets, it doesn't get in the way, that's the wrong thing to say. It, it's going to probably, um, I don't know, the, the way we do this series, you'll find out, and we're, we're hoping to do that. But this week, we're in chapter 3 of Hebrews, and the author of Hebrews brings Moses into this picture. Moses. And if I was to ask, you know, the, these, um, the people receiving this sermon or this letter, they were Christians who were, who were, who were Jews, uh, probably living in Rome. If I was to say, well, who was your hero of the faith? Aside from Jesus, of course, who, who they were now worshipping, there's a very good chance I think most of their hands would go up and say, Moses, Moses. And so to understand the significance of the passage that we're going to read in a minute, in chapter 3, we need to go back and remind ourselves just a little bit about Moses. Now, who's watched the movie The Ten Commandments? Cecil Lee to Mills, you know, who remembers that one? It was, it was awesome. I remember as a kid, um, you know, Dad watching it on TV and me peeking around the corner watching it when I was supposed to be in bed, and it was, it was pretty epic. And the story of Moses is uh, one that we, that we love. You know, he survived... Uh, near death as, a, as an infant. Infanticide actually was going on all around him. Separated from his biological parents and, he, and his people. He had to then flee Egypt to avoid being arrested as, as a young man. He spends years and years in exile. He's called by God to confront Pharaoh and to lead his people, the nation of Israel, out of slavery. He's scared to death Tells God, I've got no experience, and I'm not a good speaker. God tells him to go anyway. Trusts God, puts his life at risk, confronts Pharaoh over and over again, eventually leads Israel out of slavery into the wilderness, which is amazing. and seems like that's the end, but it's not, because then he has to overcome challenge after challenge, after setback, after setback, including constant grumbling and complaining from the people that he's leading, you know, leads them out of slavery, and then they just, this is the way it is, though, right? Who, who would want to be the leader of a nation? <laughs> I mean, we, we talk about the Israelites. Australians are pretty good at doing that, too. He, he has to confront rebellion 
and lack of food and water and eventually gets the nation to the promised land only to have them give in to fear and the task ahead as we learned in our Joshua series and then they end up back in the wilderness, back in the desert for 40 more years. And through it all, I don't know how he does it, but Moses stays true to his calling. God saves a nation through this man, Moses. And it's no wonder he was the one they held up as one of the greats. You know, I'm sure um, Abraham would be one of the greats and David would be one of the greats. But Moses, you know, he, he had a hand probably in the writing, if not writing it himself in the first five books of our Old Testament. You know, he was one of the greats. If you're a Jew and you need inspiration, that's who you would look at. I think the part of Moses' story that I identify with the most um, you know, is, is the burning bush. And not so much the, the supernatural stuff going on. That was pretty cool. That's exciting as well. But it's the realisation that Moses was just this regular guy like, like me. You know, th- this is the bit that jumps out at me when I read his story. You know, he's filled with doubts about what God is calling him to do. And he asks questions like this. This is straight from Exodus. He says, who am I that they would listen to me? And the other, thing, the other question he said is, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? And then God tells him uh, how, he's gonna play, how it's all going to play out. And, and this is another thing. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I am not very eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I, I'm, I'm not very good. I'm slow to speech and tongue is what it says that he said. And as we know, you know, God says, okay, fine, you know, I'm going to give you Aaron, and he's going to help you with that speaking role. And then one last time in, in Exodus 4.13, and I'll put this one on the screen because I, I like this. He says, Lord, please send anyone else. Anyone else. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. The great Moses said that. I, I kind of love it because it's really honest and it sends a clear message to us that you know, even the great man, he, he had these doubts. I can't do what God is calling me to do. And, and now look how God used him. We're talking about him in 2021. The author of Hebrews essentially says, yes, Moses was great, but Jesus is even greater. In fact, he's the greatest He too led us into salvation. But not just for a group of people in a moment in history. He led all of humanity out of bondage and condemnation into freedom, both now and into the future. So let's read it together. Hebrews 3. We're doing the first six verses today. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven... Think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house, his people. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder. But the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would later reveal. 
But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house and we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. You know, so much of the Old Testament pointed to God's plan for us through Jesus. You know, we, we need to understand that. Jesus is in the Old Testament. So much of it pointed to him. And, and you know, verse 5 here says that what Moses did, that was like a foretaste of God's redemptive work through Jesus that was still to come. You know, brought out of bondage and into freedom. And here we are in this particular passage at around 60 AD and the Jews and the, and the Christians admire Moses who said yes to God's call despite his doubts and faithfully saw his calling through to the end. And the Hebrews author or preacher, whatever it was, says he served faithfully and was entrusted with God's entire house, his people. You know, I was reading this passage this week and what I saw was an encouragement to faithfully see our calling through. There's actually a lot you can see in this passage, by the way. This is, the, this is what I felt like God was telling me this week. Every day, every week, every month, every year, faithful, faithfully serve God to the end, like Moses did, like Jesus did. And I often think of those words from Jesus in the parable of the talents, you know, with the, uh, when the good servant put the talents to work and invested them in and... Uh, and Jesus had words for this particular guy. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, isn't that just what you want to hear God say to us when we see him face to, day, face, to face one day? Isn't that what we want to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I, hate, I, I have trials and struggles and self-doubts a bit like Moses did. And I'm sure mine, they pale into significance compared to his. I know that. But my desire is to serve God faithfully, to see it through to the end, to make a difference for God. And I have this quote on my office door that Jesus said in John 17, 4. He said, I brought glory to you, to his Father, here on earth, by completing the work he gave me to do. Like, I feel like that's my, my job in life as well. That was what Jesus said his purpose was. And, and it's the same for me, and I hope it's the same for you. This morning I'm talking about serving faithfully to the end. Here's what I got from this Hebrews passage. Number one is it takes an intentional focus on Jesus. And look, I know Jesus seems to always be the answer, you know, because he is. You know, you know what it's like when, when you grew up in Sunday school and, and the teacher would ask a question, and you're not really sure what it is, but you know if you say the answer to Jesus, you're, you're probably a better than even chance you're going to be right. <laughs> but that's the truth of it, you know. The Bible points us to him as the answer. And we have to be told over and over again and encouraged to put Jesus at the center of our life. You know, he, he's, our, he's our purpose and, and our, our source of what we need and for what we are called to do. And the, and the, the author here says in, in verse 1, he implores us, think carefully about Jesus. That's what it said in verse 1. Think carefully about Jesus. And, and I had a quick look at the NOV, which said, fix your thoughts on Jesus. These are both good, good translations. Think carefully about Jesus. Fix your thoughts on him. It's kind of similar to the previous two weeks. You know, we, we've covered removing distractions in our life so that we could hear more from him. Remember we talked about that? Let's go a step further and say, 
and think about ways we can fix our thoughts on Jesus, to think carefully about him. You know, and, and I guess this is one way, being here on a Sunday's once a week, corporate worship and teaching, that's really good. But when I think about fixing my thoughts on Jesus and thinking carefully about him, there should be something very intentional. It's, a, it's an invitation to go deeper. It's an encouragement for us to know more about Jesus and also to know him through our relationship. So the first one, know more about Jesus. Have a, have a think about what are you doing to know more about him? You know, beyond what you perhaps learnt growing up in Sunday school about him, which is good. That's why we do it. So our kids will know. But what are you doing today? And I was encouraged recently to hear, I think Mark was telling me there's a small group in our church. They're just kind of systematically making their way through some of the books of the Bible, just the Bible, and they've got a study Bible to help them with the, you know, the difficult cultural bits that we sometimes don't understand. Just trying to hear from God. And, and you know, I think of uh, Jan's group, the early birds, who, who meet at some crazy time at 6.30 in the morning. But they've been doing that for like 10 years or something, doing a soap study. Again, all they have is the Bible. And they, they, read, a, they read a bit and they write observations and they write out, well, what's God saying to me in application? Which is a great way to do a devotion, by the way, if you're stuck. Scripture, observation, application and prayer. Soap. You come out feeling clean, you know, at the end of it. <laughs> but just knowing about Jesus, it doesn't mean I'm against, you know, study guides and video series. All those are excellent, and I, I use them myself. But knowing about Jesus, I love seeing some of you jump into college classes, even if you're not doing it for credit, just to know more about Jesus. He does, after all, claim to be our God who created us and saved us. Why wouldn't we want to know more about him? And to know Jesus more, we've got to, we've got to start knowing about him. It, it's, it's true of any relationship. So I encourage you today to think about what you can do to increase your knowledge of Jesus. You know, you've, you've probably got a, a favorite TV series or Netflix series, which is, which is all fine. But I bet you know a lot about the people in those series. You know, if you're a friend, if you're a, a fan of Friends, you probably know everything about those six people, right? <laughs> know about Jesus, because he is greater than them. <laughs> know about Jesus. If you're just starting, Alpha is an excellent way to start. If you're a bit further along, a small group that is Bible study focused is good. If you want to go deeper, a college class is excellent. If you're pushed for time, find a, a, a reputable um, pastor or, or teacher and listen to their podcast. Someone was just telling me this morning they do that same thing. In fact, someone was listening to a Hebrew series and I, was, I thought, oh, I, hope they're, they're, <laughs> I hope that I'm matching up, you know, <laughs> to what this person's preaching. But that's good. Know Jesus. Know the word. Listen to things on the way to work, on the way to uni. There's opportunities. But we also have to invest in our relationship with him. I don't care who you are, your faith in Jesus and the calling he has on your life is only as good as the the quantity and the quality of time you spend with him. You know, Shelley and I went on, as you know, I've mentioned it about five times now, but we went on holidays recently and uh, we took that, that four weeks leave and it's no surprise that we kind of feel real close right now. 
You know, you might say, well, that would might be the opposite to us if we did that. But that's not, listen, here's the thing. We decided that we were going to be together and be intentional about this. We committed from the start that we would not only gently decline requests from others during this particular period, unless it was an emergency or, or, uh, or any social invitations, and it was just going to be us for this period. And we were going to enjoy each other's company. We made a deliberate choice. Be patient with each other. <laughs> Use positive words, even if something wasn't quite right or something wasn't how we wanted it to be. Consider each other's opinions and needs and just to find joy in each day. You've got to kind of set out with that particular um, plan. And I'm just sharing this to draw a parallel with our relationship with our God. It takes a deliberate focus and investment in a similar way. And your relationship with Jesus, it won't just happen. It'll only be as good as your investment that you make. And we know the investment that he's already made for us. You know, we can't beat his investment. It's not a competition. He just wants that. He wants that time with us. I'm always reminded of that passage in Revelation, written to Christians, written to the church, in uh, chapter 3, he says, look, I'm standing at the door and, knock, and knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And one of the key points here is, is our need to open that door to Jesus, you know, into our life. It's not scary. He says, I'm just going to come in and, and we're going to be friends. But we can't open that door just that little crack, don't we? I'm just going to talk to you, Jesus, through the door. Maybe the screen door's even shut still. You know, it's like talking to a door-to-door salesman or something. Hope he doesn't come in or take up too much of my time. you got Jesus there knocking. And we barely open the door a crack. But we're Christians. We're followers of his. He died for us. He says, I want to come right on in. All the way in. And be with you, have a meal with you, and be your friend. And be our God. Open it right up. It takes a lifelong focus. I think sometimes Jesus says, I know you, but maybe you don't know me. I think it was... Um, young Declan that said that at his, at his baptismal testimony. He felt like God was saying that to him. You know, I, I know you, but I don't think you know me. And, he, and Declan wanted to do something about it. It's a lifelong focus on Jesus to be faithful in our calling to the end. The second thing is, first point was the biggest one, don't worry. The second point is, uh, it, it takes power. And I got this out of verse 6, but, and stick with me here because you won't see it at first. But Christ as the Son of God is in charge of God's entire house and we are God's house. And we are God's house. And I, and I know I'm probably not looking at the main point that the writer's making here, but I just felt like God was reminding me of something here. We are God's house, that's us. It, it doesn't say we attend God's house on Sundays, we are God's house. In other words, he, he's living in here. I always love that verse in Colossians. When you read the NLT, they translated it this way. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. Living faithfully to 
to the end. Serving him is only possible through the indwelling presence of God in us. He has chosen to make us his temple. He has chosen us to be the place that Jesus is revealed to the world. It's his power in us that enables us to live out this calling. I think I heard something like that in Romans chapter 6 this morning. Christ is in us and so is his power and he is in charge. This is what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 just before he, he left the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and therefore you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, Australia, Brisbane, Everton Hills. It takes God's power to be faithful in our calling to the end. And I do worry that sometimes, you know, we, we kind of lean on that more conservative end of the, the Christian church spectrum. We, we sometimes neglect God's power to fulfill his calling. Uh, but it's right there. It's, it's his words. There's, there's power available. This is why we pray. This is why we gather and pray. You know, I heard one of the... Um, Teachers in Alpha are talking about praying for Alpha, and he said, it's like trying to have something work without batteries. When we pray, we're putting the batteries in, and, we res- and the power comes, comes to us. But sometimes the power source gets neglected. To fulfill his purpose, his calling, we need God's power. We are his church. He lives in us. Number three, it takes courage and confidence. Still in verse 6, at the end of that, that particular verse says, We are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope, in, oh, sorry, confident in our hope in Christ. Your calling might be to teach. Your calling might be to counsel. Your calling might be to care for others in need. Your calling might be to, to administer. Your calling might be to preach. Your calling might be to be in business so that you can generously support God's mission. Your calling might be to overseas missions. You know, if you're a parent, your calling is to your family. We're all called to serve God in many, many, many different ways. Whatever it is, here's a promise about God's calling you in your life. This is such an exciting promise. Are you ready for this one? It will be really hard. That's the promise. And I, don't, I know you don't want to hear that. And there, here's another promise. There will be times when you think, I want to quit. Or is it just me? Maybe I shouldn't have confessed to that one. So Hebrews says to us today, it takes courage. It really does to, to serve God faithfully. It takes courage. But you can find the courage through your confidence in Christ. Courage is not... Retreating when we're up against it. You know, confidence is that no matter what is happening, I'm following God's will. I know I can trust Jesus with this outcome, even when it's really hard. Confidence in Jesus allows me to stay true to my calling, to not be discouraged, to not be distracted, to not let the fear and the emotions derail us. Because that's what happens. Because whatever happens, Even if the worst happens, I have a faithful God whose promises are real, including a promise of eternity. At the end of it, if the worst happens, I still have eternity with Jesus. And that's something that we can carry with us 
That's the courage and the confidence. And it takes that to be faithful in our calling to the end. Now, these new Roman Christians, you know, they were, they were, they were Jews. They needed to be told that there was something greater than their hero, Moses. They didn't have to hold on to someone from their past. There was someone in their present and they're here and they're now. Moses had all the attributes we've talked about this morning and many, many more. What a great series that would make. But Jesus is the one who is far, far greater. He is the center of the life of a Christian, or at least he should be. And I just want to ask the question, is there something or someone in your life that is greater than Jesus? I'm not necessarily talking about a hero here or a person. I guess the question is, you know, who or what is first in your life? You know, does making money or wealth get us more excited than serving Jesus? Does our job do that? Is it our business? Is it the next holiday or the new car or house renovation? All those things are good. No condemnation. But Jesus is greater than those things. And maybe if you're like me, you know, sometimes as a pastor I can get focused on church life, looking for something that'll help us be more healthy or to grow, gets me excited. You know, a new building, a program, an idea. But Jesus is far greater than those things. And so what is important to Jesus should be, needs to be, must be, what is important to me? And I, I believe we've captured what is important to Jesus in our, in our four mission statements. Those things have been there for nearly five years now on the corners of our stage to remind us every week this is what we're hearing from Jesus about this church. The first one there is that we glorify God like Jesus. We're going to bring glory to him first and foremost. Our triune God, we bring him glory. That's what we do first. Like Jesus, we're here to embrace all people. And by all people, I mean all people. Not most people, all people. Which people? Oh. Excellent. Five years in, we're doing well. All right. Even those who are different to us. Even those who are a different faith than us. Even those in your life that are really hard to love sometimes. Like Jesus, we're here to plant seeds. Through the things we do. Through the things we say. And, and even to speak directly about the good news of Jesus. To plant seeds. Knowing that someone may, else may water and we pray that they grow. Like Jesus, we're here to make disciples. Encouraging ordinary people to be more loving, to be more devoted, to be obedient followers of Christ. Because there's one thing Jesus said just before he left the earth about going into all the world. He said, teach them to obey. Teach them. So is there anything greater than Jesus in your life? I'm not saying that you have to get rid of it, but I am saying you may have to get rid of it. 
I'm saying to put him first. It takes intentional focus. Thinking on Jesus. It takes courage and confidence. It takes letting his power be used through us. And I know there's many, many more if we were to talk about what it takes to to faithfully serve Jesus. But this is what I got out of Hebrews today. I want to be like Moses, but even more so, I want to be like Jesus. He's greater than all things. Let's pray together. God, I thank you again for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that even as we read Hebrews 3, that you were perhaps talking to people in different ways today, and we receive it. We receive your word in faith. God, we recognize that you are greater than all things. You know, you're greater than all the man-made stuff that we've got. You're greater than um, the human heroes. And this morning, we want to put you first. We want to put first what you want us to do. God, I pray for each person here. You've called us all to do something for you. I pray you'll give us the, um, the courage and the, the confidence and the power and the focus we need, Lord, to see it through to the end like you showed us, Lord Jesus. And for the church combined, same, same prayer, God, that we will do what you've called us to do as a church faithfully, even when it's hard, even when it's discouraging, we'll faithfully follow your lead but God I pray that you will reveal yourself more in each life here I pray Lord that we would know you intimately that we would hear your voice clearly help us God we pray in Jesus name